Welcome back to the podcast. Good afternoon. Uh, I hope you're having a good day. As we get into this, we're picking up our series about the Bible. We've been looking at some major um, shapers to how we come to the text, how we understand the text, what's going on with it, some basic beliefs, some core foundational things that are just sort of true of the Bible as we come to it and understand it. Today, as we get into the text, uh, we're going to be looking at the idea that the Bible is story, and primarily God's story. More about that as the episode continues. But as we go through this week and we set ourselves up for the next time we're together on the podcast, the trajectory is going to take us into a discussion of covenant. And this is, I think, where we're going to go as long as there are places to talk about that are fruitful um, as the the podcast ensues here. And and that's looking at the, the major pieces of the Bible that connect um, the story arc, Genesis to Revelation, that run through it all and orient the whole. And so covenant is one of those things that's there cover to cover when we look at scripture. And it's important. It matters. It drives so much of what's there as we look at and consider what's going on with scripture. And so we need to stop and pay attention to it. And we will the next time we're together. What we're going to do today is focus on this idea of the Bible as narrative, as a story. And really as a story arc. A massive, sweeping narrative from Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation. And that's really what we're getting at. N.T. Wright, probably one of the most prolific biblical scholars and New Testament scholars of our day, um, is a huge advocate for understanding the Bible as a large, connected narrative. There's a story arc there to the scripture, a kind of vast meta-narrative being told from Genesis to Revelation. And it's one that's primarily about God. It's not about us. It's not about instructions. It's not even about how to do or to be certain things as human beings. It's a story about God. And so as we talk about this, and as we talk about the scripture as God's story, I mean that in a couple of ways. Number one, I mean it in the sense that God inspires the texts of scripture. And he's sort of writing or co-writing the storyline. The second thing I mean is it's God's story. It's about God. It's a revealing and a disclosing of God. And here, Karl Barth is incredibly important to us as we consider the role of Scripture. Scripture is there to reveal God to us. And for Karl Barth, that's, that finds its high point in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And I think N.T. Wright, in some sense, would agree with that. But for N.T. Wright and others, myself included, the Bible is primarily a story arc with proclamations about God as a central character at the heart of that story. This is important. This is critically important. And this is probably the first thing that we need to get straightened out about the Bible. It is not necessarily a how-to manual. We might learn how-tos and good, wise manners of life and things like that from the Bible. But the Bible is a massive story centered on the character of God, both literary character 
and the character of God as we would think about sort of ethical and moral, upright, noble character. The Bible is a huge unified storyline to steal language and vocabulary from the Bible Project. And charting, entering, and following the story and the character of God along the way is a unifying study of the scripture. As the story unfolds through the scriptures, God reveals himself to us. And we're invited to apply wisdom and find ourselves in the arc of the vast meta-narrative that scripture outlines. I think it's important here to know first that we are called to know the God of the Bible, to see him and understand the proclamation of his story and character. Second, we find challenges and we are challenged to find our place in the story and the proclamation of the God that we meet. He's got a family and he wants us to be part of it. And so we're challenged as we read the scripture to find our place in that story, in that proclamation of God and in that family that he's initiated, that he fathers. Finally, we're confronted with a community of people, past, present, and future, to whom we belong and with whom we are called to know the God who invites us in the first place. And we're called to know the God of the Bible as that community of people and as individuals in that community of people united in God and in God's self. This is critically important and this is a huge thrust of the new testament we belong or are confronted to belong to a community of people in the bible past present and future this family and with that family we're called to know the god who unites us in himself as family and t wright lays out this arc of the Bible, and he describes it as five acts in a play. And our space and place is determined by the acts and the setup, and all we can do is be responsible with our piece of the storyline when it's our turn to act on the stage. And I like that. We're connected to something greater than ourselves, but we have a part to play on the stage. Act one, he says, is about creation and what God intended in that very good creation. Genesis 1, 31. Act two is ultimately and primarily about the fall of humanity from that good start and how God responds to us in that moment of failure and fall. Act 3 is about God's partnership with Abraham and Israel as a movement towards solving the fallout. But the driver in Act 3 is God. Working in and through and with human partners back toward his intended partnership in Genesis 1 and 2 before Act 2 began. 
Act 4 is Jesus Christ as the fulfillment of Act 3's expectations and hopes for a kind of final resolution to the problem of Act 2. And Act 5 is the Church and the ministry of the Holy Spirit carrying on the work of Christ to the world around us until it's all culminated and God brings it to completion. I like N.T. Wright's ideas here. I've believed for years that as Christians, we tend to read the Bible backwards. We begin with Jesus Christ and the texts of the New Testament, and to be honest, that isn't necessarily bad. However, we do miss a lot of context to that part of the story, to that act of the play, and to the character that is Jesus Christ, who is God incarnate, if we just start there all the time. Perhaps we should read the Bible the way the New Testament writers understood the revelation of Jesus Christ. With the First Testament texts and narrative as the backstory, with Acts 1, 2, and 3 setting the stage for Jesus Christ in Act 4 and the church in Act 5. So much of the New Testament is calling to mind material, images, or moments from the First Testament that we miss a good deal of depth and connection if we only ever start in the New. There is a way to read the biblical narratives, to focus on the story arc and the progress of the the acts in the play from one to two to three that build a picture for what we're supposed to see in four and five that helps us see Jesus clearly like the writers of our New Testament see Jesus. If we only ever start with the new material in the New Testament and then work backwards into the old, we might also fall victim to a kind of skewed understanding of Jesus and the church without the foundations of the First Testament and the first three acts in the play. This is a present reality throughout the history of the church, and it persists today as philosophies and thoughts of the age distort key doctrines and the proclamation and key moments of the narrative. This is effectively the root of heresy in so many ways and places. If we only ever begin with Jesus Christ and we don't consider the storyline that has brought us to Jesus Christ, then our tendency is to create a storyline that doesn't reflect Acts 1, 2, and 3. We become people who aren't concerned with the creation of Act 1 and a kind of culmination and recreation in Act 5. Or we become people who disconnect the story of Jesus from the story of Israel. When Jesus is the fulfillment of so much of what was supposed to be the story of Israel. But if we read the Bible forward from Act 1 through Act 2 and 3 into Acts 4 and 5, then the ways in which we understand Jesus can be shaped by Acts 1, 2, and 3. And then the way we understand Act 5 can be shaped by the way we understand Jesus in Act 4. And we might actually walk out of that with a good understanding of Jesus and a good understanding of who we are supposed to be as the church. God created a good world in Act 1. A world where his goodness was infused into the creation he designed and made. Among that creation, God created and established human beings in his likeness and his image. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. But intended to be God's partners in rulership, humanity was 
to reflect God to the creation that God had made and reflect the creation back to God. We were to walk with him, both in the garden and through our lives. See Genesis 3, 18. See Genesis 5, 24. However, humanity chose to do what was right and good in its own eyes, act 2, and take for ourselves from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and assert a kind of independence from God despite all his good provision. In doing so as his ruling partners, supposed to be walking with God, our decision in Eden had consequences for all of God's creation. You see, he had shared authority with us and using that authority for selfish gain, for our own desires, for our own understandings of right and wrong, had a corrupting influence on us and on the whole of God's good creation. However, God insisting on partnering with human beings to restore and redeem human failures is a huge part of the storyline from Act 2, 3, four, and five. God insisted, still insists, on partnering with human beings to restore and redeem human failure. So, God selected Noah, Abraham, Moses, Israel, David, Esther, Ruth, Rahab, the list goes on, so many others as partners to bring about his redemption and recreation story. God has been and will always be at work in our world through partnerships with people. And we call those partnerships covenants. And this is why it's so critically important that we take the time, the next time we're together, to focus on covenant. You see, the more humanity messed up those covenant partnerships, those relationships, that intentional partnering that God had done with them, the more God pursued humanity in and through those partnerships. Covenant is key to understanding the story of the Bible. As we close Act 3, this covenant relationship through the nation of Israel, and we open up Act 4 in the Bible's story arc, God chooses to become his own perfect human partner and establish his kingdom in and out of the story of the Bible. In the story of the Bible, the perfect partnership of humanity with God is in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. And now, out of the story and out of that moment comes this opportunity for us to be rightly partnered with Jesus. And by being rightly partnered with Jesus, being rightly partnered with God to participate in the story of the Bible. God then accomplishes in and through Jesus Christ everything necessary to fulfill the expectations of Act 3 because the incarnate God, the Son, Jesus Christ, has come in Act 4. His incarnation, his ministry, crucifixion, and resurrection, his ascension shows the lengths to which God went to redeem and recreate human partners. 
And now, in light of Jesus Christ, the church can walk empowered and indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit who led Jesus in ministry, just look at the Gospel of Acts, now leads the church in ministry. Sorry, Jesus led by the Spirit is so clear in the Gospel of Luke. The church led by the Spirit is so clear in the book of Acts. Which is why Luke-Acts is sort of a two-volume set. It's the same Spirit at work in both texts. The Bible tells us of the beginning of God's church in Act 5 and sketches out very little about the end. And we are left to play our part in and of the church according to the acts of the story that have come before and according to the end of the act that we can see at the end of the book of Revelation. But we're not left alone to just figure that out. God has come to us in the person of the Holy Spirit. in order to unite us to the family of faith and empower our our role in the narrative, Acts 1 through 5. And it's my prayer that we'd be attentive to the Holy Spirit for our role in the church and the world. Acts 1, 2, and 3 bring us to Jesus. Act 4 finds a kind of culminating moment for everything in Acts 1, 2, and 3. And Act 5 is Jesus setting us up to continue what he brought to a kind of a culminating moment, a climactic moment in Act 4. And that that fifth act would lead us to the culmination of all things when God sets the world right again in new creation. All of this, Acts 1 through 5, find an orientation and a sense made of them as we explore the idea of covenant. And that is where we're headed next time. Until next time, have a good day. And I pray that we would be attentive to the Spirit for our role in the church in the world today. Mm-hmm.